You are listening to the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Mortgage Center for Public Service podcast, a podcast dedicated to connecting community, campus, and student voices that foster, shape, and cultivate a thriving democratic society. Today on GridgeFridge, we're thrilled to welcome Sam Park, who is the program coordinator at the national nonprofit, The Human Rights Campaign, based out of Washington, D.C. Sam graduated from UW-Madison in 2018 with degrees in neurobiology and sociology, as well as a certificate in global health. During his undergrad, he worked at the Mortgage Center as a special events intern. After working for various organizations such as Community Shares of Wisconsin, Reap Food Group, and Kids Forward, Sam joined the Human Rights Campaign which is America's largest civil rights organization advocating for LGBTQ equality. In this episode of Gridge Fridge, we'll catch up with Sam about his community-engaged work since graduation, how he equitably engages with community partners, and his advice for students looking to enter the nonprofit sector. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Sam. We'll just kick things off with a quick icebreaker. So right now on campus, everyone is still figuring out sort of their their new spring semester schedules, the best times to relax and work. And it seems like you were pretty heavily involved in a lot during your time on campus at UW. So you were probably fairly busy, I'm guessing. But I'm just wondering, as we're all figuring this sort of phase out, what your favorite thing to do was um, to relax or um, how did you spend your downtime on campus? Oh, wow. This is really throwing me back. Um, well, I think the thing I, I feel like I'm the most nostalgic about looking back is definitely the terrace and like drinking a pitcher of, <laughs> of beer with like my friends on those docks is something I didn't realize is very, was a very special time, I guess. And that's not like, that's not something I really get to see because I'm out in DC and it's a little less, um, it's a little more urban of a environment. And so, um, I'm realizing those were like really special ways, I think, just to, I think, have like relaxation is being by the lakes. Yeah, it's crazy how nature meets the isthmus here in Madison. You don't really expect it. And some days you look over and you're like, oh, yeah, we're on a lake, quite literally. <laughs> yeah. And I just always assumed, oh, wow, being by like bodies of water is such like a, is a, is a norm, which it turns out is definitely not. <laughs> It can feel normal, especially in Wisconsin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So we just highlighted one of the best parts at UW, which is the terrace. But since graduating <laughs> from UW, you've worked all over the nonprofit scene from REAP to Kids Forward, and now you're at the Human Rights Campaign. So before we dig into all that work specifically, can you talk about what led you to pursue a career in public service and like what draws you to nonprofit work? I think what has ultimately been the driving factor for me pursuing this um, this type of work is from, I think from like personal experiences growing up. Um, I grew up fairly low income and like with a single mother, um, actually in the, in Madison in public housing and realizing a lot of like those experiences that I had were not unique per se, unfortunately, but like were common experiences for a lot of people in my, in my situation or even in different circumstances as well. And I think further I got along in my education, being able to name those those challenges as systemic barriers and like historical systemic barriers as well has been incredibly motivating for me 
in pursuing this type of this type of work because in some ways I like think about ways that what type of work would I want to be doing that would be uplifting my mom or like my old neighbors and I think that is something that has been really important to me. Yeah, thank you for sharing your experience with that and sort of what has led you down this path to public service. So you just told us a little bit about what led you to the nonprofit sphere. But can, and can you touch more about on your time at the Mortgage Center and how that might have been a part of your journey um, to kind of finding this career in the nonprofit world? Being in the Mortgage Center actually was really interesting in seeing how the center really put, I think, a language to what a reciprocal type of service looks like and especially with I think like the service learning programs they had with professors and I think just as as a facet of that an example of how to be more critical of what that means to be in service I think to like break down those power dynamics of charitable work which is I think historically been the lens of nonprofit work and a lot of other service oriented professions I really appreciated at the mortgage center the really intentional attempts to unpack that and be able to push and replicate I think that um, that messaging and that critical thought to various aspects of the campus whether it was in our partnerships with the the alumni board or like um, with like professors or I remember also like with the with partnerships with different community organizations and being able to see how it can really be feasible to create bridges between these different groups that oftentimes are forgotten about or um, not brought to the table or in ways just like in miscommunication oftentimes because of like I was saying before because of I think historical barriers and historical systemic challenges I really appreciated how the Mortgage Center was able to really bring that to light for me. Yeah, you brought this idea of reciprocal relationships, and I think that is like at the core of what we're trying to do here at the Mortgage Center, and it's something as interns we all get to experience as we um, carry out our work as students and get to interact with the community in different ways and really carrying that responsibility. And that idea, especially coming from a higher education institution, trying to go out and make change in the community, understanding what barriers come with that and the history that comes with that and what we're carrying with us um, going into those spaces that uh, communities we're not a part of. So thank you for highlighting that because I agree with you. I think it's one of the best things um, to learn about at the Mortgage Center and get to grow and thrive in. And asking you to throw back once again, but can you remember what prompted you to come work at the Mortgage Center in, at the first place? Oh, it was one of my friends at the time. She was, um, she had worked at the Mortgage Center and had like a very a very positive experience there and like really recommended me to uh, apply for one of the internship positions. Um, at that time, I was, yeah, I was realizing and really embodying, I think, this passion and desire to be, be more invested in service-oriented spaces of sorts or engaged at a larger level with the campus community um, because I felt like that was, that would have been a good parallel with like a lot of the community organizing work I was doing at that time as well um and also like the just like the the location of the mortgage center being in the red gym I was always at the MSC and um so the building itself was one of great familiarity for me and comfort yeah great and then looking back at um your time at the mortgage center what would you say are some of your biggest takeaways i know you already highlighted a couple ways in which the mortgage center has influenced the way you think about community engagement but what other things did you take away just from working um in the red gym i guess this, this might be a bit cliche but just like realizing the 
amount of programming and efforts we were able to do as such small teams or as how singular interns were able to really be the foundation for a lot of really pivotal programs that we were putting out. And I think that was also like something I really, um, I really respected was I think the the commitment and initiative for a lot of, of my peers that worked at the mortgage center with me. And I think that was like a really nice takeaway scene. Like, oh, there's other people that are also like-minded with me in especially like the, like the concerns and I think critiques I had of what that generic term meant. And I think that was in itself just a really affirming takeaway for me. Yeah, I agree. And even the sense of community you build with other interns, since you're all engaging in this work for, for most of us, like for the first time at like a institutional level and getting to see the things you worked on play out on such a big scale is always what I think is super rewarding and um, being able to claim all that. So yeah, thanks for highlighting that. And while you enjoyed your work at the Mortgage Center, you've obviously come a long way since then. So can you talk about um, kind of what led you to where you are today at the Human Rights Campaign and just what you're doing there? Honestly, I'm not really sure how I ended up at, at the Human Rights Campaign. Even into my senior year, I did not expect myself to be moving to D.C. <laughs> so that was quite an unexpected move for myself. But I think I, I recognized that post-college, like thinking about how I did want to work or continue working in some sort of service-oriented profession, which I thought the nonprofit sector would be the best for me. And the summer before I graduated, I did an internship in DC with this thing, this progressive think tank called CVPP. Um, while I was there, they were really committing to an internal racial equity, I think, lens of reframing the work that they were doing, which was just a really great time for me. And I think that probably informed, I guess, my journey after graduation to the human rights campaign, I think. During my time at UW, I think the identities that, that I was holding were really, I think I was growing into a lot more and I was, I was finding a lot of difficulty within a lot of like organizing spaces, being able to honor and find like-minded community of other queer people of color within a lot of the spaces I was in. And so I think that was also a priority for me in terms of what kind of work I wanted to do. And I was actually really hesitant to, when HRC offered me a position. I was really unsure if I wanted to take that opportunity because I had a lot of hesitancies around HRC and like a lot of the historical politics that HRC embodied were ones that I was really in opposition to, honestly. But I had really great mentors and talked to a lot of great people at that time thinking about what are like the pros and cons of these types of opportunities at organizations and the, the basically the newness of being of moving to a completely new city in like a totally new environment. I've never, I never worked at a national organization before and realizing that any employer that we go to will never be perfect. So I think it was like in the fact of getting this opportunity was going to be a great learning experience, both the good and the bad parts and learning how to navigate a lot of the bureaucracy of these larger NGO structures essentially. And um, what I do at HRC, so, my first, I've actually, so I switched around a little bit within the organization, but when I started at HRC, I was on their health and aging team. So we focused on health care quality in terms of services. And so we, HRC has developed this like national benchmarking tool for healthcare systems in how to provide more inclusive and more competent LGBTQ care. And so we worked with like eight 
800 healthcare facilities, at least my first year, and like being able to work with these different institutions and offer them tangible policy changes and practices to inform more equitable and inclusive services, both externally and internally. Um, and that was a really, I think, learning experience for me of just like how to invest in and impact and drive change more structurally, which was really critical, I think, in my like development and growth within this within this space. And for the past year, I've actually been, so I changed teams and I'm now um, a manager for our global partnerships program. So within this role, we support grassroots LGBTQ human rights activists in multiple countries around the world and offer them workshops, uh, advice in different campaigns that they're doing and try to uplift um, the work of these people to larger communities and help support them in ways um, to advance LGBTQ protections um, in other countries. Yeah, you've definitely done a lot. And um, thanks for sharing your experience about how you ended up at the organization. And just in general, like you said, the Human Rights Campaign is a huge organization. You're currently in the sector that works with global community partners, global activists that are just doing work in places that are drastically different than the U.S. while working internally as well with places in the U.S., which I'm sure have very differing degrees of needs. And when you mentioned bureaucratic work, I'm just curious, since you've worked with, I think you listed like over 700 external partners um, through the Human Rights Campaign. That's a lot of different people to juggle. And something at the Mortgage Center where I was trying to consider is how to best listen to the needs of those communities um, to address their concerns, right? So what are some of the biggest challenges and lessons you've learned working with so many different partners and communities all around the globe? I think some of like the biggest challenges come from trying to balance, one, I think the partnerships that you want to develop and deepen versus the partnerships that have to be engaged in from pressures of historical um, work of the organization and major donors and funders of the work that you do. Oftentimes, like the, the capacity of work that we want to delve into sometimes isn't feasible under like the funding mechanisms that a lot of nonprofits rely on. And I think that is oftentimes one of the biggest challenges is how to, I think, navigate those, like those questions and try to um, uplift communities that you want to engage deeper in for your work, but might not have the funding to do that. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, um, especially coming from a perspective of such a big nonprofit um, where the funding is diverse yet in some ways limited. I don't think a lot of people a lot of people think about those kinds of barriers that exist in nonprofit work. So how, how have you learned to kind of navigate those challenges or kind of work around to make sure that you are serving um, different communities that are coming to you at the Human Rights Campaign? Well, I, I guess, honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out myself, to be honest. But I think what's been really, um, really interesting and like something that I've like had really, that's been a really critical learning experience for me is being able to see my coworkers at work in development sectors of nonprofit work and see how they have to and try to engage in donor relationships and um, also my work in some like volunteer organizations on thinking about how do we approach funding mechanisms for nonprofits in a equity lens and if or if that's even like feasible or whatnot, but also, yeah, just trying to think about how we can, how funding opportunities for community-based work that we want to do doesn't have to be dictated by 
large grant providers or major foundations. And I think that creativity and that I think the strategicness of people that I've seen that are organizers and also within development aspects of found of nonprofit work have really opened my eyes to how to be more adaptive in trying to meet the needs of communities that we we are trying to work with under the parameters and limitations that were given. And um, I remember actually when I was in Wisconsin at university, I was always like, I was talking to this one person and she was heading this health equity organization. And one facet of their work was engaging major donors, showing them how racial equity work and equitable lenses are important for nonprofits and how to encourage donors to then provide funding to those types of projects and nonprofits. And so even like thinking about how to target the problem upstream first was also a really interesting tactic that I hadn't really thought of before. Um, you mentioned an equity lens and how this is really crucial in nonprofit work in general, not just at the funding level, but pretty much across the board. And in both your positions at Kids Forward and the Human Rights Campaign, you've really focused on equity and justice um, in your work with the community. So how do you go about centering equity um, when you are working with different communities and different partners? And how do you go about identifying and tackling some of those systemic barriers to improve your impact and ultimate reach? Well, I guess I've been lucky, honestly, in the fact that the spaces that I have worked in, I am surrounded by coworkers and staff and staff, especially in higher tiers that understand the importance for equity lenses in the type of work we do. And I think because of that, there is much greater opportunity for my work to be more critical and diverse, I think. And intentional in recentering the communities that we want to uplift. Um, so like, for example, in my current role for a global partnerships program, I think we always have like a lens of what kind of partnerships are we building? Are we always focused on the global North rather than uh, like people and like activists in the global South, if there's conferences or um, panels that we're asked to speak at, thinking about how can we uplift grassroots activists that would benefit from having this platform or elevating their, just like their messaging and their voice to support their campaigns and efforts that they're trying to work towards. And I think a, a major part of highlighted is explicit, I think, releasing of power from uh, nonprofits that oftentimes hold an unfair amount of power over the communities that we want to try to serve. And I think it's really a critical matter of how to redistribute power. And I think that obviously looks different in a lot of ways and like how, what the feasibility of those tactics, I think is always something to be critical of, but yeah, as an example, like for those like, like speaking engagements, are we the ones to be speaking on these issues? Are there people we can uplift? Um, how can we redivert our resources and our funding in ways to support organizations and, and communities that have been historically stripped of access to any of this wealth or resources. Yeah, I think for me, the two key things that stood out about that is intentionality and then redistributing power um, are really key when you're coming into a situation as an organization with power and wanting to serve communities, you can oftentimes end up trampling what they actually, what they actually need and can do themselves um, if given the resources to do so. So I think it was really important that you highlighted all of that. And like I mentioned earlier, just to come full circle on 
ways to engage with community, kind of looking at these different facets of funding and equity. And something we're always striving to do here at the Mortgage Center is build trust and actively listen to the community's diverse needs. And so I'm just curious if you can touch on how you ensure you're staying in touch with these communities, especially when you're often very far apart, it sounds like. How are you staying in touch with these communities, what they need, in order to build these truly mutually beneficial partnerships between the HRC and those, those individuals? Well, I will say the, the simple answer, I think, is recognizing and really prioritizing fostering personal connections with the communities that we work with in terms of like engaging with these people even outside of the explicit work that we are trying to do with these people or like being able to engage with them in ways that are outside of the parameters of as an NGO with a community partner dynamic. And I think, because I think a lot of the ways nonprofits work with part, with local community groups is in a very dehumanizing way because a lot of it does boil down to oftentimes like metrics of quantity of like how many people are we engaging with or in terms of for different grants, like we need to work with these like different like racial identity groups or gender groups or different markers of identity, which I think sometimes is a disservice to fostering, I think, truly sustainable relationships. Um, so I think that is a really big priority. And I think need is, is to like, whenever we engage with like activists in other countries, we're still in communication with them, even outside of like, reaching out to them for speaking engagements or whatnot and as a way to recognize that that's not that becomes then they become a resource of utility for the nonprofit again and so i think to be conscious of how are nonprofits benefiting from engaging with these community groups and being really critical about that and i think at a deeper uh structural level the way that nonprofits are organized i think there just is an innate limitation on how deeply invested we can be with communities sometimes. And I, and I don't think that's something to be necessarily to feel guilty about, but I think it's really important for people within the sector to be conscious of the limitations of the type of work we can do simply because of our space in nonprofits, we are inherently separating ourselves from communities in need, I think. And even okay, actually that term in need is like quite like a, a charitable phrasing as well like with I think with different community groups we have to I think there has to be a, like a recognition that oftentimes we're able to leave that space I think that sometimes means that we we inherently don't have a stake as full of a stake in these issues and like these I think structural barriers that a lot of communities are trying to face and overcome and I think by having that more critical lens of our limitations, uh, not as a nonprofit sector, I think that realization is really critical in order to achieve that solution I was talking about first, that was the simpler one of being able to engage with community groups in a much more humanizing way. Because I think communities can recognize when nonprofits are coming in really naively at times. And so I think being able to be conscious of those limitations, I think are really critical for both ends. 
Yeah, I think it's this idea that you're working with community and not for community, especially for students, I think, who are starting to enter service in a higher capacity for the first time. They don't have some of that depth of understanding about really working with community instead of coming in with your own set of plans, executing what you perceive to be the solution to a problem. Yeah, we've really hit a lot of different bases from talking about intentionality and um, redistributing power and then talking about this idea of how we can build true, genuine partnerships. So for students looking to go into this very complicated community engagement or nonprofit leadership work, uh, what advice do you have for them? I think a more tactical skill set to really develop would be writing skills. Um, I think being able to communicate messages out, I think, both to a multitude of audiences and being really able to understand how different groups communicate, whether it is community partners or funders or coalition members. Um, writing is is so critical. And in my work, I've realized that a lot of, a lot of people in higher positions oftentimes aren't the best writers. <laughs> and so I think writing is a really, is a huge skill that I did not realize was that would be so necessary for me in almost every opportunity I've ever had, I think, in nonprofit work. And I think also aside from that, finding specificity is important just not only for advocacy work, but also for ourselves to do the most intentional work. Because I feel like in nonprofit and like public service spaces, there's sometimes this overwhelming message of everything is going down the drain, this like, like catastrophe is quite the norm right now in terms of language. And I think there's this pressure for everyone to be pulled in every single direction. And I think it's important for people to, at least it was important for me to be able to, I think, take a step back and breathe and really have the patience and I think uh, trust and motivation to be able to lean into like specific spaces that I really wanted to commit to. Um, And I think that will, specificity will open up more doors later down the road. Thanks for joining us, Sam. To learn more about the Human Rights Campaign, check out their website at hrc.org. Be on the lookout for upcoming job opportunities at the Mortgage Center, which will be made available in March. Stay connected to all things Mortgage Center at Mortgage Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.